All right, welcome to the Secondhand Science Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Schwartzenberg. And I'm your host, Gunnar Goodwin. Today we are joined by our guest. Oh yeah, Jeffrey Ortigo, a.k.a. Jeff the Deaf, a.k.a. Big Dumb Jeff, a.k.a. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Throw that in for good measure. You know what you're getting. Um, He's coming from... Denver, the, Colorado. Denver, Colorado. Yeah, the, the mindless town. Yes, you might know him from the Mindless Ramblings podcast, or you uh, may have seen him do stand-up comedy in Denver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If so, that's very amazing. Very few people. <laughs> and have. If so, welcome, welcome to <laughs> right. our humble yeah. Lake Charles, yeah. Louisiana. So glad you joined us here. Absolutely, Gracie. I want my presence for today. Yes, <laughs> man. Those levels are looking. Oh yeah, perfect. A shout out. I, I just got to say, as a guest to this podcast, shout out to. Um, co-host gunner aka also the producer and then the other co-host zach schwartzenberg over here killing it on the facts they actually have a professional setup not like me so (laughs) if you like organization don't listen to mindless ramblings if you don't care for it then also don't listen to it i'm not that good (laughs) no well technology (laughs) well our theme today leans more on the side of space yeah oh yeah Space and science. And then other things, but we'll get to that later. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The there's going to be a lot of other things. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to, this is going to be a free We have the host of Mindless Ramblings here. You think we're going to stay <laughs> yeah. on top of right. it? No. <laughs> no. Absolutely <laughs> not. Oh, God. Um, the main theme, the main reason we uh, wanted to do space for this episode was because recently they found um, water plumes or water vapor on Europa. Mm-hmm. So, Lots um, of it, too. Right. And for, of course, those of y'all that don't know, Europa is not a continent. Europa (laughs) is a moon around Jupiter that was previously known for having, what is it, uh, 10 to 15 miles thick of ice? A lot. Yeah, 10 to 15 miles. Yeah, 10 to 15 Mm -hmm. miles uh, of thick frozen water ice, a.k.a. as a crust, but there's always been the hypothesis of there should be unfrozen, uh, li- unfrozen, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unfrozen, melted liquid, ice, yes, <laughs> melted ice underneath <laughs> the actual ice. Yes, but uh, it wasn't until we say recently, but in all reality, the original observation date was April twenty sixth, twenty sixteen. But they found over two thousand tons of water launched out of the core of Europa through the crust into the atmosphere. Yeah. So I guess it was recently confirmed then? Yes. Was, well, okay. yeah. The way science is, they they yeah, observe yeah. it, and then they have to go through so many different things and writing the thesis and then the abstract and getting the article published. But as you can see, the article in Nature Astronomy was published November 18th, so literally less than yeah. a week ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it, last yeah. Monday was whenever it so they like broke through, and they're like, yeah, it's confirmed. Yeah. Now- they still haven't confirmed that there's liquid water because they've only observed solid water, water aka ice, yeah. and mm-hmm. gas water, aka vapor. Mm-hmm. But Steam. but that's a pretty good indicator yeah. there. If there's yeah, vapor if you have out. if you have both extremes, chances are you have something yes, in the middle the too. Middle, it's right. kind of hard to go from ice to straight vapor, though. I think it might be possible. Y'all remember yeah. the water thermodynamics? Cycle? Yeah, there. Okay, yeah. never mind. There's a water cycle that it's like the condensation, evaporation, and once you get advanced, there's like all these other lines. Yeah. And well, pretty much. I never understood that. Pretty yeah, much every element <laughs> has a 
a triple point, mm. but that's not. I don't know. I don't know if that means it can skip states or if it can skip phases or if it, it, just, just, it just means they all happen so at quickly. the same. Like right. yeah. there's so much. It's not heat. It has to do with pressure. I think. Yes. It, what, that's what it was. It wasn't temperature. If like you put uh, ice into enough pressure, it just instantly turns to vapor. That's probably what it was. That's it. Yeah. yeah. There's all, right. all that stuff. But anyway, <laughs> so why is this relevant? Why does this matter? Well, obviously. Water is mm-hmm. one of the most essential, if not the most essential, compound <laughs> element yeah, about, thing, thing uh, that yeah. for life. For life, to right. be a human being, you have to have water, or well, not even to be a human being. Any living organism on this earth has some percentage of water in it, or at least through its diet yes. or something. So, life as we know it, it's like what carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen. Oxygen. No. Uh, there's there's a couple of different elements. I think yeah, what like phosphorus. Phosphorus. Yeah. Yeah. Those so, are the big five. And they've and they've mm-hmm. basically they've seen that Europa has all of these things. They just did not see water in its liquid state. Yeah. And, and in different why, concentrations. But that's always not. It's not necessary to yeah. be a perfect ratio. And then, like you were saying earlier. Oh yeah, the, geothermal. Yeah, uh, the fact that they water shoots through a ten mile crust into the atmosphere leads most people to believe. And as you can read in the abstract, they even make it sound way smarter than I would. But <laughs> yeah, but by observing that, it's very not easy for us, maybe for a scientist, but it's easy to assume to make the connections that if you're having water launched through the crust, there's a good chance there's a heat at the bottom. And ideally a geothermal vent, which is as you should know, if you went to school, the creation of life happened through anaerobic conditions created by geothermal vents on earth. So if that happened here and now we're observing some possible markers of that happening elsewhere, who knows what we could find underneath that crust? Yeah, this this news is pretty huge. Um, previously, our biggest hope for life outside of Earth was Mars, and and I think now it's kind of shifted towards Europa. Yeah, regardless, much, regardless, many scientists are saying within the next decade or two, we'll there's very Mars. high chances. Well, that that too, but there's very high chances that we'll we'll find life outside of Earth, even if it's just. Single cell organism, right. which is, or even just like previous life, evidence, like that's yeah, nothing. Right. Or just Mars signs is now they're it. thinking it might have had life at one point. Yeah, there's evidence of water and streams and stuff, but not anything mm-hmm. current. But yeah, I mean Europa is opens up a whole new um, chapter basically for space. I mean, obviously they've been doing it. We say recent, the you know the past ten years they've been looking at Europa. So oh yeah, uh, but now that it's definitely confirmed, I mean. There's no telling what we'll be able to find there, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, the fact that we're talking of very basic life forms, this is usually where, this is how my mind takes leaps, but we're talking about the possibility of just very basic life forms on Europa. Maybe, or we might even be able to, we might be right now watching the beginning stages of that is another thing. Because... There, we talk about climate change on Earth, and we were cracking jokes earlier or before the podcast about climate change affects Europa as well. <laughs> right, yeah. But the whole solar system does, to an extent, have a climate, and it's ever-changing. Things are flying around 1,000 miles an hour. They're changing positions all the time. So we might be witnessing the beginning of life forming, which, as we know, it takes billions of years to have actual viable life forms. But 
who knows? That might be a crazy thing to see the first few living organisms on a different planet. Tardigrade. Yeah. Tardigrade's been living for, is it three? No. It's like something. It's something it's ridiculous. It's in the bees. It's it's, it's, uh, sure. it's two, three billion. Yeah, yeah. This Lots is, of years. It's pretty unreal thinking about it, too, because they were saying that it was like, what, a span of 10 days or something that they were observing Europa, and it was just one instant on like one night that they saw mm-hmm. it out of like 10 straight days and you know they're not constantly monitoring it it was just it just happened this period that they were monitoring mm-hmm. the planet is whenever right. they saw it so who knows how often this is happening who knows where else this is happening cuz after all those those telescopes pretty much have to be pointed straight at whatever they're trying to observe Europa yeah. also Europa has 100 individual geysers too just read that on space.com. Wow. So, yeah. They have. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it says uh, 100 individual geysers continuously blast water ice. Um, so, yeah. It's uh, taken yeah. us this long to discover this in our own, our own solar system. I can't even imagine what's going on in the other solar oh, systems yeah. in our galaxy or other galaxies. Right. Mm-hmm. The local group. Other clusters. Yeah. Right. That's a, I, that's what I think a lot of people miss is because space is so overwhelming and it's easy, it's easy to just kind of dismiss it and be like, you know what, all that is just, it's too much to take in and all that. But the fact that we now have an observation like this, and I know this won't hit the public as something crazy, but if you just pay think attention. of, yeah, Uh-oh. if you pay attention and just, you're able to realize like how important this could be and then you realize how kind of minuscule minuscule of a scale we're looking at versus the whole every galaxy the yeah. universe the whatever universe. it may be i mean it, it just shows that there are a lot of possibilities possibilities exactly bro we burned 10 minutes like nothing <laughs> yep that's what i'm talking about <laughs> let's see what else is on the agenda <laughs> that's um, a, but Oh, God. Uh, okay, I have to bring this up. This is a little off space, but Gunner brought it up earlier. And it just, it's crazy because it's one of those things you never realize that everyone experiences it. But the feeling you get when you're about to remember something. Uh, yes. That is so crazy because it sounds almost outside of science from what I looked at. Because I tried to find reason for it, and it just seemed so outside of yeah anything that we can make sense out of it's almost just like a sixth sense that you're like and oh that's what i was talking about. yeah the brain's pretty foreign they they're they have difficulty they have like theories but there's no like i guess evidence yeah. pointing towards something yeah. but berg you look a little confused what we're what we're talking about is like say say you're trying to remember someone's name or like the name of like a tv show or something and, and you're like oh it's on the tip of my tongue and like yeah. as as you're about to remember you feel it getting closer and closer yeah. and then like right then you're just like oh i remember you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah even steve on the tip of my tongue mm-hmm. or yeah when you're the about only- to remember song lyrics or something yes. yeah and, and it's just there and like you know it's coming and you can feel it like building up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you start crossing off what's not right and then the only feeling the i could ever <clears throat> equate that to is the feeling of whenever you go to take, like in high school, taking uh, the very easy, easy A classes, they'd call it whatever elective, and you go into a test and 
you know all the answers, you're super confident, and then you're like, okay, this last page, it comes down to this. And as you flip the last page, you see one question, and it's a question you know. Uh, and yeah. that feeling of, I just knocked this out the park. Right. That's, a, that's the same kind of rush I get whenever it's like, I'm you trying so something? hard to remember something. I'm like, oh, who's that? Or what's their name? Or what was I thinking of? And then out of nowhere, it's just, oh, yeah, Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which we're not going to talk about because taylor swift is a garbage person oh, but man. this is about science and not garbage people <laughs> yeah you need to tune into secondhand garbage people next yeah, week. That's yeah, a, yeah this will be our spinoff podcast yeah. yeah oh my gosh but one thing and i know that was a crazy leap for most people listening and i kind of did that on purpose but that's why we have the guy from mindless ramblings on yeah this, but the it actually connects because what it is is you can you can learn all you can about uh, the physical looks or you think you know everything, but in all reality, we know nothing. And it's been known that the brain is one of the most complex organs. Nobody knows anything about it. The study of it is so theoretical. And then they come with these huge breakthroughs. And for some reason... I've noticed as humans, we take science breakthroughs on our body as like, oh, that's a real thing. That's a breakthrough. Like there might be this new therapy coming out for PTSD. And like right now there's like the MDMA and all that. And once they found one breakthrough, it becomes this big thing. But for some reason as humans, when we hear about such a crazy breakthrough in space, I mean, this is right there. Europa is right. not far away in our solar system. Right. In, in and it's just so, else. it's just disregarded. It's just like, Oh, that's theory. That's whatever. That's nothing. Yet We yeah. take psychology and psychiatry and all these other things that are just theories, but we take them more as fact for certain reasons. And I don't yeah. know why, but that's always interested me as a, just as a human, as a science lover, as an observer, it's just so crazy to see how human nature can be like, Oh, that's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And I think a lot of people too, like when they're adults and get kids and stuff, they just worry about like what's going on in their life. Yeah. Whereas like we're still at an age where we don't have that kind of responsibility yet. Yeah. So we're still <laughs> yeah. we're still looking up, as Neil deGrasse Tyson would say. I so. I feel like this is this is the perfect age to kind of indulge yourself in that too. So that mm -hmm. way for the rest of your life you won't kinda of get And you, you can know, teach your kids about it. And you can you can yeah. We can understand you know, just how, like, fantastic, how magnificent yeah. that the, mm -hmm. the universe Wondrous. actually is. And then we, you know, learn as much as we can about it now. So that way, uh, the curiosity kind of will never end. Yeah. Right. And that, uh, there's actually something that I've heard this argument from some people before that they don't care to learn about space or whatever it is, whether it, because it doesn't affect them or oh, crap. I'm not going to lie. I had a thought and I lost it. So I'm about to throw this to one of y'all and I'll jump in. <laughs> yeah. Whenever. Well, uh, like I, I actually, I you just, you just made me think of my freshman year. I was taking my public speaking class and one of the speeches I have to give was like a research paper speech or whatever. Mm -hmm. And what I chose, you no, know, it was a persuasion speech. I had to persuade the class. And so what I chose to do it on was why NASA should receive funding. And it was kind of uh, going off of what you were saying, one. how people were like, "Oh, I don't care to know about space. Like, I want to, I want to oh, solve, dude. I want to solve the problems on Earth thought. first. Absolutely. But like, go look up on the internet right now all the things that exist because of NASA. Exactly, mm -hmm. the world would not even be halfway close. Like, like there's some like like Plato. 
you played with that as a kid, that would not be a thing if it weren't for NASA. Because yep. just because of like the dumb stuff that they're testing, trying right. to make it easier, you know, in space. And also yeah. to go along with that thread, like you said, why NASA should get funding. I read somewhere that even if NASA got like a five percent or even like it was like a two percent budget increase Mm -hmm. we'd be on mars by like 2025 yeah like yeah so much like if you pay your taxes it's usually out of everything you pay about a cent of your taxes will go to nasa NASA, the way the percentages normally work out like a one percent like one not even one percent one penny like an actual literal penny out of the average american's tax money goes to nasa and we're talking about something that explores the whole universe. Right. <laughs> the whole entire universe. Granted, we're also spill- spending like a billion, a hundred and something billion dollars on defense budget. Right. But, yeah, yeah. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. But it's, what it's, I, I do want to get back to what I was saying earlier <laughs> before I lost the thought and I feel like I'm losing it again. No, I'm not. Okay. One reason I've always heard this argument for why people aren't interested in space. I'm sure y'all both heard it before. Yeah. But. They don't care at all because it doesn't affect their life. And then when they do look at it, it's just, it's so big and grand and mysterious that they're scared it makes them feel insignificant. Mm -hmm. Like you always hear that, like people use that to almost put other people down. Like, oh, we're just this pale blue dot, which that picture, if you know the pale blue dot picture, Mm -hmm. it was the first picture taken from the missions to Mars or missions to the moon, which we will talk about. But, um, is the first Stephen Hawking didn't nah. he like write a book on that? Yeah, he wrote a was, whole entire book on a one picture that shows the pale blue dot. But what it is is people look at it and they make it feel insignificant. And there are parts of that that go back to like the religious belief of like they don't want to believe that all that could exist outside of what they learn. But I think people look at it the wrong way. People always try and find the negative things whenever whenever you look at things of that of imagine if there is life on Europa instead of thinking about oh my gosh we're so insignificant there could be life everywhere there's this infinite 14.7 billion light years across the universe instead you just take in the majesty of it and the wonderment and to know not every single thing that happens every single day is going to affect the rest of our lives that deeply it's not people look at space and they think it makes them feel like less. But in to me, I don't know, for something with space and to learn how we're all just part of that cosmic stardust, that crazy phrase Star you stuff. always hear. Yeah. yeah. All Carl it was Sagan. was everything at the beginning of the universe was, if you believe in the Big Bang, which you should, but if you believe in the Big Bang, everything that started prior to the Bang was condensed, the whole entire universe was condensed into something that is one one hundredth the size of a period at the end of the sentence. It's crazy to think every single thing you see right now was that close at once. And we're just expanding and learning and we're growing as our own and odds are we're probably not alone, especially in the universe. I doubt we're alone in the galaxy. Solar system, we might be alone. We'll see on Europa what plays out from there. But even then, yeah, even then, it's our solar system's giant. Yeah, yeah, especially in respect to us, and it's just there's got to be at least uh, like a a bacteria that's on some sort right. of way. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's also comets. That's where they're looking. If they don't find life on Europa, the second biggest 
uh, possibility is from comets and meteorites that come from yeah, outside of the solar Earth system and then bounce off or mm-hmm. they or they whatever planet they hit that might have had life mm-hmm. life and then brought it come to across Earth. Yeah. yeah i was just about to say that actually didn't they have that mission where they shot that lander to one of the comets it was like two years ago and it landed in kind of the wrong spot and it went dark because it landed outside of shade really yeah <laughs> i can't remember what I can't remember what craft it was, but they landed. It wasn't a like a actual like Mars rover lander mm-hmm. type deal, but it was a little space probe that they sent to this comet to see if they could find life. But it crash landed. It landed a little wrong and hit the wrong spot, and then rolled into the dark and went dark because it's solar powered. Dang. But that was actually I remember that was before this news came out on Europe. That Last was our biggest hope. Fillet. I think this is what it is. It's, it, it, it looks yeah, like, yeah, the lost yeah, leg landed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. July 9th, 2015 was the last time we had contact with That's it. it. Yep, yep. 2015. European Space Agency. So mm-hmm. This is kind of unrelated yeah. in a way. I mean, it, it. it's it's space related, but not to what we're, you know, what we're talking about. <laughs> but space junk. Oh. Space junk? Space junk. Like, do you realize how much... There's a lot. How much stuff there is orbiting oh, Earth yeah. right now? Yes, there's the pictures it's gonna be of every orbiting satellite around it, and it is bad. There's like good. there's like screws and bolts and nuts yeah. and like like just and random pieces of like junk from these spacecraft. Yeah, like you, every single satellite. hundreds of thousands of pieces of debris. And what it's scary too is the guys on the ISS always talk about how it's moving at like five miles per second. Yeah. yeah. So like, like if you're out on a spacewalk and there's a little screw floating mm-hmm. around and it freaking yeah comes through it'll, it'll disintegrate you. Now one thing too, and I've seen diagrams of it before, I don't know if I could pull it up, but it's they show like the distance of where the space junk is and like how the ISS is like just outside of where most mm-hmm. of it is or just inside one of yeah. those. But yeah, they kind of positioned it to where it's avoiding all the yeah. the crap. I actually, so. I just looked up. So since the first satellite, Sputnik, in 1957, Sputnik, not that long ago, around 8,378 satellites have been sent Jeez, to space. Jeez Louise. These days, there are just under 5,000 in orbit. So 5,000 satellites yeah. flying around the world. And anytime they collide with one another, anytime they collide with just a baby rock that's just floating through space, that cracks apart because right. they're traveling, like you said, yeah. miles per second. Right. Like, mile, like they're thousands of miles moving. An hour. Yeah, that's it's they're cruising. That's just the way it is in space. Everything is flying, even though we feel so stable. Yeah. It's not. Dude. Yeah. We are cruising at thousands and thousands of miles right now. Miles an hour right now. Yeah. Especially the ISS, too, because it's moving. That would be one of my biggest dream come trees. One of my biggest dreams would be to, well, first, somehow go to space, like commercial space travel. Right. Which, if we're being honest. SpaceX is trying to do that pretty soon. We can get into that, too. Elon's, Elon's got a plan for that. If we're being honest here, I think... Commercial space travel. I'm not saying like commercial space, like we're going to the moon for whatever. And I'm not saying it's cheap, but like just to bust out the atmosphere and be able to see the curvature of the Earth on a grand scale. Not even see the whole Earth in one eyeball, but like just outside the atmosphere of it. Right. I think it's very possible within the next anywhere 
10 to 20 years, especially, yeah. like you said, SpaceX at the right there. Yeah, yeah they're saying by like 2030 that they're going to be having. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like probably going to be like a million dollars yeah. a person. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be expensive. cheap at first, but I mean, think how expensive it was to have a iPhone when they first well, came not out. Even, it's, yeah. it's not even the fact that like, it, it the, the only reason it'll cost a lot is because of like how expensive it is to move like a payload. Mm-hmm. Like it costs a lot of money to like for every extra pound you put on that rocket ship, it it increases the amount of money they have to spend on that like significantly. Yeah. They'll eventually find a way to make things more efficient and all that. Especially once they get done um harvesting all the alien propellers and all that from a Bob Lazar study. <laughs> once they feel uh, realize how to use those <laughs> properties of from their Garch. propulsion systems. Yeah. That was that's funny. I and I heard your podcast about that. Uh, yeah. I really only watched like the first half of that. I think because mm-hmm. I fell asleep. But yeah, that dude. He seemed like it was like you said. Go listen to Mindless Ramblings. I can't remember what episode. Yeah, it was, uh, it was but, episode eighteen. I have actually yeah. I have a new Instagram out for the podcast. Oh, right, yeah. at Mindless Ramblings Pod, and I have a thirty second clip where I literally say, "I know how ridiculous it sounds, but I've never been more convinced in my life that aliens." have been yeah, to this earth yeah. soundbite that's he a soundbite to put in the intro right there yeah it is it's a perfect soundbite because it's perfectly true yeah. in my opinion after listening to okay we're making a lot of jumps here yeah um for this those is exactly where we it, want to yeah. keep it interesting yeah, yeah for yeah. those of you that um are listening uh, we're referencing bob lazar there's actually a documentary on netflix, netflix. it's um bob lazar in area 51 aliens in area 51. Oh, if you type in bob lazar B O B L A Z A R. Mm-hmm. It'll pop up. He worked for Area 51, or it's actually S4, which is a part of Area 51. And he has, it's hard to say proof, yeah. but One he thing, has a just, lot of not hardcore evidence, a lot of great stories, and a lot of evidence of people trying to hide who he really is. Right. So it kind of shows the likelihood that he may have been a part of something that the government doesn't want to be known. Exactly. And that's why that's why it seemed so convincing cuz it seemed like he literally had nothing to gain from him like telling everybody about all this and even in the documentary he talks mm-hmm. about how much his life like his Suffered. quality of yep. life went down yeah. after he started. So he was like, I have nothing to gain from explaining all this. Like they've come he, after me and my family, you know, forever. So he's been, he came out originally. I want to say it was sometime in the nineties. I should know more, but I am a couple whiskeys deep, but, um, he came out originally in the nineties and he, to this, well, okay. Up until the beginning of this year, he had never made money once off of these claims. He made these claims. He went on TV so it would be recorded. He made the claims, and since then, his shop, his um, science uh, equipment shop that he owns was raided by the FBI multiple times. Um, his wife had some very personal information put out about their relationship that the government got by dropping in on their phone calls. I mean... There was very four, yeah, I'll take a couple. There was very four reaches done by, whether it be the government. We're refilling our whiskey glasses right now. (laughs) Yeah, sorry about that. I forget we're not videoing this. But but, um, there's just, you can see the concerted effort, whether it be by the actual government or government agents or whoever it's done. There's very concerted effort to discredit him, which, of course, 
I know how crazy that sounds because I am deep into conspiracies. But then there's also another great podcast by Joe Rogan with Hillman Commander David Fravor, which was a pilot for the Navy. I believe Commander David Fravor was a pilot and he was one of the original people to find Tic Tac UFOs and have footage of it. That's nuts. Which, if y'all haven't seen the Tic Tac UFOs, pause this, go follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jeff the Deaf, and then go Google Tic Tac UFOs and then come back here. (laughs) Completely shameless. But, uh, (laughs) dude, that's unreal. And, like, just thinking about it, this is another tangent. Edward Snowden, that's crazy how he had, like, access to every single file, or so, you know, as far as he knows. Yeah. And he was asked about, that was that was on Joe Rogan Hall, when they mm-hmm. asked him, like, did you see any evidence of aliens or anything? And he's like, no, nothing that he saw. They cleaned him out. Yeah. Granted, he also was for the NSA, which I don't think the NSA would do too much with aliens. But then again, you never know. Yeah. Have you but, seen the unacknowledged documentary this right here it's the same kind of thing Ooh, no i haven't it's the same kind of thing with bob lazar except it's different it they interview a bunch of like military people and this one guy dr stephen greer is like the the main yeah yeah Mm -hmm. he's like the main like he ends up breaking down at one point in the movie like I can't believe the government has been hiding this you know all that stuff so like yeah because there's so many there's so many military people that worked in Area 51 that like all their stories line up and like it's there, you know like there's, it's just hidden. There comes a point. There's an intersection where coincidence has to hit reality, and there's sometimes too many coincidences to feel comfortable with saying, "Oh, it's just a coincidence." Right. Right. After a certain point, you have to be like, "Oh, that's a lot of corroborating evidence." And I know, I know this is a science and space podcast, and we are talking about that, and we'll get back to it, but there's never been a time in U.S. history where it would be this easy to see real-life conspiracies. Of course, with the whole Epstein death, you can see that a very obvious conspiracy <laughs> yeah, yeah. in my mind. <laughs> and then there's just, you see all these things, I mean, the island, all the corruption, all the intelligence, I mean, he was in it. it's been kind of not proven but epstein was an intelligence officer so that right there shows government conspiracy to an extent and then with commander david fravor bob lazar and all them coming out all these different conspiracies there's never been a better time in life to be a conspiracy theorist and i am loving it every single day there's so much information available and the wise words of of the host of mindless ramblings jeffrey ortigo well, I guess this is a conspiracy podcast now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Every That's other episode. Usually, almost all my episodes, this is a forewarning if you haven't listened, but Mindless Ramblings on iTunes. It's just Apple so interesting. It, most episodes start off with me talking it's about somewhat normal sure. things, and then by the end, I'm going to be talking about conspiracy theory. Yeah. But that's just the way it works. Look, just, but, a, just a quick little, an extra plug. This is a guy who just decided one day he just kind of wanted to drop everything and move to Colorado from Louisiana and start doing stand-up and yep. living on his own yep. podcast. Yep. This dude's an interesting feller. Give his, give his podcast a listen. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. But uh, I do want to get back to the whole science and space thing. Starlink. And, uh, <laughs> that's a good one, too. 
But um, just to make the connection, because of course I mentioned conspiracies, a lot of people tune out. But I don't, I'm not saying that we know for sure, the government knows for sure, alien life and blah, 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 all this and that. Though I personally believe aliens are in the universe. It's way too big to not be in my mind. But um, all I'm saying is with the government hiding some things that we can see as obvious, no, it kind of makes you wonder what else do they know about space? Because NASA was heavily funded. And also NASA was started by Warner Von Braun, which was brought over by Operation Paperclip, a.k.a. the creator of NASA was a Nazi scientist. Oh, holy smokes. Yeah. So this, this is, <laughs> this is all real. This <laughs> yeah. is all real. You can look up Warner Von Braun, the creator of NASA. He was brought Crazy. over after... Uh, the World War II, after Nazis were defeated, mm-hmm. all that, um, we did bring over scientists. That's just an um, absolute fact. But we did bring over scientists. And I'm not saying it was a bad idea. Definitely, they were way more advanced than us. They had better things. But that's literally how NASA got its formation. And from the beginning, it was known that they would hide certain things for just the government of the U.S. And it might be for a matter of national security. It might not. So all I'm saying is... While all this is fun and it's so fun to learn about, it always makes you wonder what else is actually known and what else is going to be known before we actually know it. Because who knows? They might have already known this liquid ice on Europa even before they started looking into it 10 years ago or something. We don't know things like that. So it's just it's fun to kind of not make jumps, but just expand your mind and think, okay, so this is what we know for fact. These are facts. These are what the theories are. Or is there any linking evidence? And do people know it? Yeah. And I don't know how I got onto that. Yeah. That's usually how my mind works. I heard conspiracy yeah. and I started talking a lot about it. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like a boomerang here and bring it back to how uh, we were talking about space you. how I we were talking that. about space junk and the uh, like the absurd amount of things. Again, I just want to apologize. I am a few whiskeys deep. Yeah. <laughs> Again, get back to got uh, it. The absurd amount of things that are orbiting, you know. Uh, shoot, I, I don't even know what Earth. The, what? Yeah, I know, but what's the word? <laughs> like low, low orbit. Oh, I guess yeah. it's like not in outer space. It's low enough yes. to where it's not completely outside of our atmosphere, but yeah, it's just ridiculous, like and it makes me think it's like, like the stratosphere or whatever. Yeah, it, it's it it almost worries me about. It's another reason why it's so important to fund NASA and to, uh, I mean, I guess SpaceX mm-hmm. is private privately funded. privatized but 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 i think most stuff we will need start going towards we need you know we need these things now because we need to explore while we can and get like uh, i guess this might be a little extreme here this might be a little bit tinfoil hat here or not really not even conspiracy <laughs> but just kind of crazy to think about because i don't know if it'll actually happen but with the more things like orbit the earth the you know the, uh, the yeah. denser it's it'll be, traffic. the harder yeah, it'll be to be able to launch things. Yeah. I, I've thought about that too. What I have looked up is, I'm sure some of y'all may have seen, if not, y'all can look up uh, like how many satellites are in the sky. And you see the image. It's not an actual picture. It's just a digital rendering of, it's the Earth and all the satellites around it. And you see it's a shell almost. Right. And you look at it and you're like, how do we get out? How do they calculate when to launch it? Another thing is you have to realize the average distance between most satellites is usually thousands of miles because as you get farther away from Earth, distance increases exponentially. So 
I, I have thought of that, and it yeah. will come a day. 100% there's going to come a day. But they're also currently talking about – because – as I said earlier, there's trash, almost five thousand uh, system. Yeah, there's almost five thousand satellites up there. Most of them aren't active. Right. Yeah. Most yeah. of them have died off. They're done. And whenever they say satellite, they literally mean almost anything orbiting yeah. the Earth that they've launched up. So yeah, it could even be it could be pieces of rocket ships. Whenever right. they launch up and they have to bust off the hole, like that's floating around. So they're trying to find ways to collect trash and all that right now because they can see that's actually going to become a problem. I mean, it's very interesting to think we have so much stuff surrounding us that we might not be able to get out of here. So <laughs> a quick, a quick little soundbite tangent here. Uh, I was listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson earlier, and I mean, this is—he likes to say this every other episode, basically. But um, he was talking about how, like, if there were four bumblebees in the United States, there's a higher chance that one of those two, uh, two of those bumblebees, are gonna cross each other. Then two uh, suns are gonna like, wait, what? or two? I I think it was two suns. That two suns would ever like collide. Uh, like that's that's well. Oh, uh, that's how big. That's how is. that's the yeah, scale yeah, of how things. Much, yeah, I got. Which you. is nuts. <laughs> it's like where are we going? Yeah, with this? Okay. yeah. That might have sounded a little hard which, to understand, but I know which what you mean. I, uh, basically I was just kind of going off of him saying how like far the satellite, even though it's right. so dense, there's still like a ton of distance. Yeah, but. Kind of what I was trying to kind of spin off from that was how I'm. I don't know if y'all have seen any articles about Starlink and how that is going to cause trouble for, like, for the telescopes. You talking yeah. about? Are you talking about? Uh, I was Elon's about to say for the thing? podcast. Want to explain what Star- Starlink is? So, is okay. Elon, um, so Starlink basically they've got. I think they have like two or three hundred satellites up so mm-hmm. far. Holy smokes. Yeah. I thought it was still like experimental. No, there's supposed to be like 7,000 when it's all said and done. And it's oh, supposed wow. to be, it's supposed to provide internet globally. Yeah. Right. No matter, no matter if you're in the middle of the poorest country mm-hmm. in Africa. Yep. Yeah. High speed internet across the globe. Yeah. And it, and it works. I mean, he's got yeah. like two or 300 up the so more, far and he's sent a tweet from it. All and right. the more internet equals more education equals what, yes. a so better it's a, it's tomorrow. It's a wonderful, it's like, it's a fantastic idea. It's a wonderful, like it's going to be revolutionary for the world. It's going to change things. Yeah, and uh, I, I want to mention if y'all do want to actually look a little more on Starlink, you can literally go to starlink.com and like he was saying, it'll show you exactly what he's talking about. It shows what it's going to look like, how it provides it will provide high speed. Like they're talking close to five G speeds, maybe even higher. Bird, go ahead we'll and be try to through look up, Starlink. Try to look up the way that Starlink is going to affect astronomers and yeah. <laughs> Google. Jamie, look that up. Yeah, yeah, Jamie. <laughs> I love how we just forced Berg into looking up the most complicated. <laughs> I mean, thing I could do said. it. Well, you were, Wait, well, you were reading off of this one. But oh, what are you saying? So just look how it's going to affect the way astronomers are like looking at at like stars and stuff because of how uh, how many sat like I, yeah. I've read multiple articles on that recently. How 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 many satellites there are going to be? It's going to make it difficult because there's going to be so much light reflected off of them right. for the the satellites are light yeah. pollution. So, they, and they Elon talk about Musk. That in- yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They talk about. I haven't read the book um, yet. I uh, I just got it. So, so just just aside, uh, Wikipedia is literally calling Starlink a satellite constellation. Yeah. So it'll yeah. literally be That's like a goal. part of our new constellation. And it'll be Elon almost Musk. A, 
a grid around the world made by connecting satellites. This is a legitimate like issue. It's a problem that they brought up. And Elon Musk said that he was like, well, we can paint the rest of them black so that way they won't reflect light so it won't affect, you know, looking through telescopes, looking right. at constellations and all that. But Yeah, it's actually brought up, um, if y'all haven't read, uh, no Neil deGrasse Tyson has a great book. It's Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. I literally just finished reading it about a week ago. I saw Gunner had it. It's a great book. You have to read it. I've but um, they even now, talk about it. I've read it too. It's right now, where we're at with the satellites and the artificial things in this air, that we already are obstructing some views and we're getting certain deformations and distortions in different constellations and stars and all that. So that is a very potent point to bring up. I mean, they, it is a problem by sending by sending so much into space, eventually there will be a problem. Yeah, that's, And that's the one thing. It's so hard to plan ahead because this is brand new territory. We've been sending stuff in space since 57, like I said with Sputnik. So this is all Something new. that we could talk about all day long is 3D printing. <laughs> they bring that oh to the boy. I mean they literally already have it aboard on the International Space Station right just to because they can literally fabricate new parts in like minutes in front of their face yeah and I think that's going to play a huge part in the future especially because like we're saying it's going to be more difficult to launch from Earth which I mean mm -hmm. this might be years and years down the road absolutely but, everything but, we talk about we say in the near future or whatever it's in the near future for science and especially the life of the earth. I mean, we're not talking near future as in like next year or the year after. I mean, it could be 10, 20, 50, 100 years from yeah. now. But still, it's eventually a problem that needs to be Another huge thing is the how SpaceX is, you know, reusable rockets and stuff like that. That's going to oh, be yeah. huge that's also. A game changer right there. It's going to that's definitely going to help out as it becomes more dense and yeah, more So, so I'm in the criticism section of Starlink on Wikipedia. It looks like, it says one of the main points is the International Astronomical Union and the National Radio Astronomy Observatory have released official statements expressing concern on the matter. So <laughs> it's not like people are outraged yeah. yet, but there has been concern. Yeah, yeah they and, can uh, see how it will eventually right. become a problem and, possibly. And it says too that Musk and uh, other representatives um, have said that they're going to try to, like you said, make it a minimal impact. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing so far on, I mean, the other day, on the 18th of November, 2019, oh, wow. a Chilean observatory's observations were interrupted by SpaceX's satellite train consisting of 60 Starlink satellites. Ooh, so yeah. very up-to-date uh, wow. observation there. <laughs> yep. I didn't know. Uh, there was a Chilean observatory. Yeah, <laughs> I, bet, I bet the views are amazing over there. Another concern um, was the space junk, like we said. Mm -hmm. uh, but the main thing right now that they're dealing with is optical and radio astronomy. So yeah. Speaking of, oh, I gotta take these headphones off. Too yeah. much lag. <laughs> that messes with my head. Um, you're talking about radio and and kind of what I was trying to spin off from Starlink and like global internet is 5G. Oh yeah. How much? How I, much do y'all know about five G? I don't know that much, but I know that to install the five G towers, they have to wear thick lead anti radiation <laughs> oh, really? vests. I mean, the ones that make you look like Juggernaut, like the ones with the big helmet, yeah. the big thick. They have to wear that to install it. So those well, are just sitting day. out in the sky in the open. 
The other day, it doesn't sound good. We were in Baton Rouge for the LSU game. Go Tigers! And uh, I was my phone. My phone said that I was getting five G. I, I find that weird because yeah. Baton what, what phone do you have? It's five G capable. No, it's just AT and T on my iPhone. But what iPhone is? Is the it's the XR. It literally just said, I didn't get that. It literally just said, like, where the bars are, it said 5G. So it's supposed so, to be crazy quick. Though. Yeah, it was. It I was. mean, 4G's quick enough. You could, yeah. you could try to fact check me on this, but I think there's like three different types of 5G that they have right now. Because the whole, the whole purpose of 5G is that it's supposed to be extremely concentrated, mm-hmm. which makes it go super fast. The only problem with it, I think, is the distance it can travel over. Yeah, they have to have towers. So, Everywhere. So they've got like three different kinds. They've got one that's just like a faster but long distance one, and then they've got one that's like extremely like ridiculous, like ten gigabytes a second fast. That is bonkers, but, dude. But it's like short distance. No. But I think so. I think basically that's like a boosted four G is what the five G that because Baton Rouge isn't even one of the cities that five G is supposed right. to be in right now. There's they have like a couple towers and stuff. That, really? Yeah, they did. I'm not sure if they were supposed to be active yet, but there was one. Off of um, I went towards the mall. I can't remember where at exactly, but off of Blue Bonnet, you saw a tower, and they're very distinct towers. If you look up a picture of a five G tower, they're very distinct. But yeah, Baton Rouge is the first place I think I've seen one. I don't even think I've seen one around Denver yet. This is good. Yeah, for those of you that are listening, um, me and Gunner are degenerate, so we're drinking. But Berg is a grown man, so he knows how to <laughs> control himself. But uh, me and Brett are uh, me and Brett, me and Gunner are drinking a uh, Hennessy V S O P privilege prestige. Oh, privilege, privilege. <laughs> but uh, I don't know Third what prestige. it is, but it is very good. So that might be why we sound a little extra crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah, mean, back to the five G thing. Back to the five G thing. I'm I'm at a crossroads with it because. In terms of uh, scientific innovation, I think it's great. I think moving forward, for the most part, is always a good idea. But there's a thing in human nature that we tend to do, and you can see it throughout all of history, that we try and advance too quick before we understand the side effects and the downsides of what may come from it. Carl Sagan. It's either Carl Sagan or Neil deGrasse Tyson said something about how we've grown – um, the technology has outgrown how smart we that are. That was Abraham Lincoln. Oh, okay, yeah. Him was it really? That was that was right after he said, "Don't believe everything you see on the internet." Oh gosh, <laughs> you got me. Is the sad part. <laughs> you got me. God dang it. But yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you have to realize that was actually I was listening to. I believe it was the podcast we were listening to earlier in your truck with uh, Joe Rogan and Tim Dillon. But they talk about you have to realize. Human physical evolution, if you went back in time 10 years, uh, 10,000 years ago or 20,000 years ago, Homo sapiens still pretty, I mean, Homo sapiens were still a thing, but we all still looked pretty much the same. We might have had a little more of a hunch over. We might have been a little dirtier or whatever, but Homo sapiens 10, 20, 30, I think up to like 40 or 50,000 years ago when they came across, they always have looked the same but technology just in the course of 10 years has advanced leaps and bounds beyond anything we ever thought was possible so as humans we've been evolving and a rate of like a little bit over thousands of years yet technology is 
it evolves within like it evolves the equivalent of thousands of years within a couple months all it takes is one innovation and it will grow by leaps and bounds and we're stuck here with our dumb caveman brains trying to wrap our way around it and we wonder why society is so crazy with the social media and everybody having quick access to all these facts and misinformation and then being able to broadcast opinions and things like that speaking of misinformation that's something that i don't have because i was right there's three different types of (laughs) they've got got, what a great humble brag you were wrong about starlink so <laughs> you don't have to tell them yeah. that, bro. <laughs> they didn't. But that. so there's three different uh bands of mm-hmm. 5G. There's low band, mid band, and millimeter wave. And like I was mm-hmm. saying, millimeter wave is a super concentrated like I don't know, it doesn't really say on this website, but I'm pretty sure I read somewhere like 10 gigabytes a second, which which is uh, for unreal. Most, for most the average internet connection for most people listening, it's usually only like 10 to 20 megabytes per second as a download speed. Which so is I could see why this pretty, is super high radiation. That's, that's yeah. pretty crazy when we're talking about megabytes to gigabytes. Yeah, we're talking about it says gigabytes. We're talking about Good jumps. We're talking about thousands of times as quick. Granted, it's hard to imagine anything quicker than right now because if I have four G L T and I type into Google what any question I have an answer within a second. But I can I think, only imagine how quick 5G is. I think is. the whole purpose of 5G is so that way you could, like, in a heartbeat, like, you wouldn't, there would no longer be a buffering or loading of anything. It would just be, like, instantly everything is loaded 100% instantly of streams. Well, yeah. I think you could play, like, a full video game without even having to download it. They're saying, like, if you were if you were playing a video game on an yeah, Xbox a stream, or a PlayStation, a Stadia you wouldn't, whatever. there would be no loading screen, loading screens. You literally just would, click and you're yeah, in. Yeah, click and, like, boom, you're playing. Wow. But yeah, so the millimeter wave would be the highest frequency, but the problem with that would be trees, walls, rain, all of that would kind of Yeah, also it has to be on It couldn't penetrate that. Yeah. And that's and why mean, they would have the low band and mid band. Mid band would be like the happy medium, mm-hmm. and then low band would be not as fast, still way faster than what we have now, but yeah. not as fast, but it could go way longer distances. Yeah, exactly. And it does yeah, sound good and that's where like i was saying earlier i come to the crossroads because it seems so detrimental to health the fact that they have to wear those huge radiation suits but at the same time there's no telling if they could just find a way if there was a way to soften the radiation blow to minimize any kind of damage done to wildlife because i mean that's the biggest thing i think of is you have to think of birds flying by that yeah who knows how that radiation will affect birds flying by it (laughs) they're gonna see that as a weird looking tree try and land on it and whenever humans can't even stand they have cancer yeah exactly (laughs) so that's where the negative comes in but there is a lot of positive i don't want to talk bad on 5g because absolutely if it becomes a universal thing i'm gonna use a 5g phone i'm not gonna protest 5g but it it's one of those things that that sets up the innovate like the possibility of innovation exponentially i mean you have to think even for supercomputers they process it things at speeds beyond our comprehension but if we could find ways to have that speed all across the u.s through 5g i mean we're talking about any in third world being, third world countries yeah, I mean, any human being possibly on this earth like he said third world country i mean if they can find any sort of way to get that to them. And obviously that's we're not saying, knowledge. yeah, we're not saying 
5G is going to fix third world countries or anything. We're just saying once you have that I guess ability. That's more Starlink than 5G. Well, yeah. yeah. One of the things that came up when I Googled it was 5G versus Starlink. That was like one of the first suggestions that came up. Yeah, because I want to say 5G is uh, quicker, but Starlink is widespread. Right. 5G, they have to have the tower. Starlink is the satellites. Again, both of them have very big pros and very big cons. So it's just one of those things to think, who knows where that innovation will take us. And having the ability to access anything at the like instantaneously. I mean, we already almost have that, but there's still places even within the US, even in Denver, there's been times where I look up my phone and I have not the best service. But who knows what it'd be like to have impeccable service 24/7 all the time everywhere. Yeah. I'm going to pause it. No, we're good. We're just uh, rolling. What what other topics did we have what, on that paper? I was just <laughs> what I was going to say, that's why I was going to pause. Yeah, it. we can cut this out. I mean, yeah. yeah. Easy. Or if not, y'all are going to listen to us. Go? We, can go, we can go another 10, 15 I'll do this for 30 goddamn years. No, or we could go for another hour and we can make two episodes. Out okay. Of that. That's what we ought to do. There is, uh, keep going until we're, till we're stuck. Climate change, 3D map of the universe going back 11 years. Yeah, so that's years. weird. That's a weird and then thing. the artificial intelligence. I don't know if I know exactly which 3D map you're talking about for 11 billion years. I've seen plenty of diagrams. So I've it's seen like the of- most in-depth map that they have. right. And like I said, I don't know a ton about this. But they made a 3D map. And I say they. Like I know. Do you know who they is? The cabal. The, the, <laughs> the people who are much smarter than us. Yeah, they made Smart people. 3D them. map. Them. Of like the they did they couldn't go what because the universe is what fourteen billion years old fourteen point seven but they couldn't that's get the, the observable 14, universe but they got eleven yep eleven billion years in the mm-hmm. past a three D that's a I don't know how I don't know why yeah what? Let, let's look it up let's see if we can find something on this okay. oh yeah pull that up um I'm not sure why it stops at eleven billion I do know for the first uh, it's like the first three hundred thousand. Uh, okay, it's when we start talking about the Big Bang and the life of the universe, it's insane to believe that it all exploded from that. But if you look, like I mentioned Neil deGrasse's book earlier, he breaks it down in a very understandable way of how things worked. And for the first 300,000 years, things were expanding so fast and so like vigorously. Like it was literally. Things were shooting at explosion speeds beyond our comprehensions. So the first three hundred to billion year, three hundred thousand to a million years, not a billion, there was zero light in the universe. Every photon, which is light, um, the cell of light, a photon is what it is. Every single photon that existed for the first million years, almost, was bounced off of something so quickly that it was literally no visual observable universe there were the there was mass there was the objects flying out at incredible speeds but it was almost like a invisible cloud just expanding rapidly so that's why one of the crazy thing is when you see the maps they can't even go back before that they can't even reach a certain point they hit the cosmic uh, microwave radio frequencies and it just it shuts them down there's no more to observe before that no, yeah, there's, there's not a there's not a whole lot on this uh, topic of the 3D map of the universe, but it's basically saying that they have what they've observed is that everything is moving apart. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, from that, they've deduced that. It says yeah, nearly 500 one. scientists from 13 countries have basically come together to form a map of everything. And it's it's basically saying that it can only uh, it can only see as far as 11 billion light years away, which is why it goes uh, it goes back 11 billion years. But it uh, where where did I see In, this at? One thing I want to kind of point out real quick because if you're not into science, which you're listening to Secondhand Science, the greatest <laughs> science podcast on earth, right? But if you're not really that into science. You hear us say they're looking back 11 million years. Obviously, we know 11 billion, not million. But we know light travels at a set speed, the constant of the speed of light. So we can see what we see, the light we see, even like, for example, from the sun. The sunlight you see during the day is actually seven minutes old. That photon was created in the sun, traveled seven minutes. Right. Whenever you're talking about light years you're talking about the distance it takes light to travel no no the distance light travels within a whole year which the speed of light is i i can't remember off the top of my head but it is really fast absolutely <laughs> absurd yeah. i mean obviously quicker than you would ever be Faster able to recognize than sound <laughs> yeah but it when sounds we pretty slow when we yeah. say we're looking back 11 billion years and all that it sounds crazy we're not talking about time travel we're just talking about the farthest we can possibly see that is the oldest light existed that is from 11 billion years ago that whatever created that light doesn't even exist by now and it's all it's real fun to see the way they come up with it it's not through we're not talking about visual light because as you know there's a spectrum we're talking about infrared ultraviolets we're talking about microwaves different kind of radiations right so they're going this isn't just a bunch of people getting together and saying yeah that's probably what it looked like we're talking about these are cold hard like observable facts they're taking in every infrared uh wave they're taking in every single ultraviolet ray they're taking in the visible light spectrum they're taking in everything and they're creating these maps of literally our past the past of what we came from and all the stardust that came to be yeah, people are solar episode. We briefly touch on, on yeah, the electromagnetic spectrum. Okay, right. nice. Different I like wavelengths that. of light and stuff like Whether that. Whether it be one of the six versions we've recorded already or the next one we record. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey is reacting to the speed of light um, in a vacuum is 186,282 miles per second. To put that in per miles. Second. Yeah, per hour, it's 670 million six hundred sixteen hundred thousand six hundred twenty nine miles per hour and what he's referencing in case of anybody listening to this does not know space is a vacuum so that's that's the speed of light traveling through space yes through space which it's it's crazy to think of uh we all know space is a vacuum so what a lot of people think when they see all that black in space like they look up in the sky and they just see black and then a star here a star there maybe a constellation or a different planet maybe all that blackness you see it's not really black that's where the electromagnetic spectrum comes in that's whenever you see the infrared that's whenever you see the dark matter and the anti the dark energies and all that that's it's not visible to the human eye but you look up and you're like oh that's an empty vacuum it is a scientific vacuum, but in all reality, there there 
or things. It's just the density of it is so minuscule. The pressure of it is so insane for us to match. It's, it's right. so many factors that bring it into a Our, vacuum stance, which causes something to be able to travel like that. Travel completely uninterrupted, never slow down, never have to worry about anything until it hits your eyeball. Right. And I was just about to say, it's what our eyeballs can see, too. Because mm-hmm. if you just Google infrared night sky or ultraviolet night sky, you'll see that there's bazillions more stars that um, are there that we just can't see because our eyes are weak. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How I can't wait until the day, and it will come eventually, where being able to see the whole spectrum will become easier for every single human. I mean, we have telescopes now where you can look up and just see. And then there are a couple infrared telescopes, but there's going to come a day to where you'll be able to just go outside with your telescope or binocular or whatever, look up in the sky, and it will be a completely different picture than what you see with your naked eye. Yeah, It'll literally go from looking up and seeing black with a couple white dots of stars to beauty, just pure beauty and color and things beyond your imagination. That's one of the, and I was in Colorado when I saw like an completely unpolluted night mm-hmm. sky, like un West yeah. Texas. At yeah. The lease. Yeah. I mean, it is just incredible. Obviously. If yeah. You're listening it's to this, insane. If, if you ever get a chance to look at a night sky. I got that new iPhone. I need to try to take some, some photos this weekend. Yeah. Oh, please yeah. do and send them. Probably, <laughs> well, actually the new iPhone has the, uh, it has the night mode where it like it captures more light. It's it's a different camera from all the other iPhones. Oh, the, 11, the iPhone 11? Yeah. Uh, do you have that? Oh, what a flex. Yeah. Oh, my God. Three I'm sorry I'm if, so poor. If you're on a payment plan, it's still literally <laughs> the same. If you have, I had the XS, mm-hmm. it's the same exact payment as the XS. So Dang. I just, you just have to pay it longer. Verizon, yeah. Verizon just, yeah, it's basically like I'm leasing the phone. But mm-hmm. yeah, but, that's how they do it now. You know what? We've made it. An hour long, so this is the end of segment one of our collaboration with Mindless Ramblings host <laughs> Jeffrey Ortigo. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, come back for segment two, which we're about to start instantly, but y'all won't hear for another mm-hmm. week. Or Absolutely, two. and yeah. while they start segment two, I'm going to pop into the bathroom. All right. <laughs>